Hey, York Alliance. Welcome back to the York Alliance Daily for Friday, March 1st. That's right. The podcast that you did not expect this week. It's a bonus podcast this week uh, because I had a very uh, great question earlier this week that I uh, wanted to expand on a little bit going into this coming Sunday because it's a concept that um, it, we're going to actually keep looking at this week that we started looking at last week. And uh, I think it could be maybe a confusing one for some. There's certainly a lot of debate out there in the world around it. And so uh, I wanted to give a little bit of context to uh, the the term that I use. So last week during the sermon, I used the term co-creator, that uh, God had made Adam and Eve to be co-creators along with him. And uh, there's things that that means and there's things that that doesn't mean. And so I want to be really clear up front that that does not mean that man and uh, men and women are somehow able to uh, to experience the fullness of being God and create ex nihilo out of nothing the same way that God did. Uh, so I, th- I think that is uh, not only is that clearly the sin of Genesis chapter 3, that's clearly not what the scripture is saying. So when I say co-creator, I don't mean that we have equal power along with God. But what I do mean is that God created us in a distinct way to fill the earth and subdue it, to uh, be doing specific work alongside of him to act as his um, kind of vice regent, so to speak, that we would uh, we would work in his place on his behalf. And you start to see that unpack a little bit more in Genesis chapter 2. And so I, I want to take a couple minutes because I'm not going to have time to do this on Sunday to unpack some of the ways that Genesis 2 leans into that co-creation work and what it does mean. If it doesn't mean that we have the same powers as God to create ex nihilo like God, what does it mean that we are called co-creators along with him? And so uh, to get there, I want us to think about in Genesis chapter 2, um, it's kind of like a zeroing in of the creation story. So the creation story is kind of like the 25,000-foot view in uh, in Genesis chapter 1. But then in Genesis chapter 2, it moves into kind of like the, the boots-on-the-ground kind of view. And so you see uh, the, the creation of man and woman at the beginning of uh, Genesis chapter 2. And so um, the, the account of that creation is kind of zeroed in in a very specific way. And so uh, it, it says, and um, we'll look at this a little bit more on Sunday, that this is verse 7, that God, the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. And then it says, the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so there's this placement of uh, man in the garden, and there's work to be done in the garden. And so uh, you see that in verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, uh, and this is the command that is, of course, broken in Genesis chapter 3, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you that you eat it you shall surely die. And so God has placed man into the garden and uh, and told him to cultivate and keep the garden is the language that's uh, used in Genesis chapter 2. 
But if you're uh, following along in Genesis 2, which you're probably not because you're listening uh, in an audio format, but if you were following along, you would notice that I skipped a whole paragraph here in uh, Genesis chapter 2. And I've really been helped by this in uh, John Mark Comer's book, Garden City. Uh, he's really kind of given me a framework to understand this, this odd section here in the middle of Genesis chapter 2. Because it's going to talk about a bunch of different rivers. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and it became four rivers. The name of the worst, the first is Pishon. It flows around the hand land, the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The bedellum and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is T- the Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. It's this kind of weird section of like, why in the world is that being recorded for us? There are these four rivers flowing out of the river of Eden, and and especially the specifics that are given to us in uh, that first river in the land of Havilah, where there is gold and bedellum and onyx stone. Why, why is all that being uh, given to us? Well, uh, Comer makes the argument, and I agree with him, that um, what's what's being talked about here is... Uh, kind of the raw material of creation, the the material by which man is going to be working, creating, developing. Like I said, cre- co-creator doesn't mean creation out of ex nihilo, out of nothing, but it does mean ordering the the world that God has made and uh, creating uh, out of the chaos. Uh, the language I used last Sunday is ordering the chaos. That that's that's what we're invited into, like the work of the Spirit that brings order to the chaos. We are also invited to bring order to the chaos. For us, it's the created chaos, not the uncreated chaos. But the created chaos is still part of the work that we're called to do. In fact, um, the invitation of Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue the earth, to cultivate the garden, is uh, one way to uh, understand that is that the new Jerusalem that is coming in Revelation 21 and 22, that was always to be coming. It's just the the pathway between Genesis 2 and Revelation 21 was very, very different than the, uh, the, the created plan of God. The created plan of God was certainly that um, a city would be formed and that Adam and Eve and all of humanity would be the ones to create that city, that we would uh, order the chaos, that we would take the raw materials and structure those raw materials in such a way that we would be creators, that we would uh, be co-creators along with God. And that's a really, really significant idea because what that means is that all the work that we're doing not just church work, not just evangelism work, but all of the work that we're doing, whether it means that we're uh, doctors and dentists or uh, garbage collectors or uh, contractors or uh, teachers or lawyers or uh, engineers like so many people at your clients are, um, all kinds of different uh, careers and professions and work and vocation and uh, and especially uh, parents, uh, those who are um, cultivating a home and, and cultivating uh, young lives uh, through either raising their own children or uh, being involved in discipleship and uh, the engagement of uh, people who are growing up in faith. All of that is work 
that is being given a level of dignity that is dramatically different because we are invited into co-creation. We have been invited into this specific work of God. Now, you, you may or may not be fully convinced at that point, but I want to read one final section for you. This is in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Um, and, and there's language that he uses that is really mind-blowing here. So, um, at the beginning of chapter 3, he's talking about how um, there's divisions within the church, that there are um, some who follow Paul and some who follow Apollos. Um, And and then he says this in verse 5, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Now listen to this. This is verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are God's fellow workers. The word that um, uh, that uh, Paul uses there is the word sunergos, and it's literally co-laborers or uh, co-workers of God, um, n- not subjects of or employees of, but co-laborers alongside of him, co-workers, those who are coming alongside of God and doing work alongside of him. This is where that doctrine of co-creation is grounded, both in Genesis 1 and 2, but then throughout the scriptures and uh, maybe in a, kind of a, a, a nail in the uh, a, kind of, kind of a, a nail in place there um, in First uh, Corinthians chapter three that we are we are co-laborers, co-workers alongside of him. We're those who have a level of ownership, not. Um, not just uh, employees, not just those who kind of punch a clock, but we're those who uh, step into the work of God. And so what that means is that as we are animated by the Spirit of God, we're invited into this work of ordering creation. We're invited into this work of seeing people transformed to the glory of God. Now, does the Holy Spirit still do the heavy lifting? Of course, absolutely but we're invited alongside. We're invited to be a part of the process. And so I hope that clears some things up. It may uh, generate more questions than it does answers. Uh, but like I said, we're going to be looking uh, a little bit more at that doctrine of co-creation on, uh, on Sunday. And so I wanted to at least try to give some context to those who are wondering about that language and trying to understand uh, exactly what that means. Um, I, that's, that's where I think it is. It does not mean uh, that we are equal with God in any way, but it does mean that the creativity of God is something that we've been invited into as his followers. And so um, I hope that's helpful to you. Um, that's it for the bonus podcast today, but I hope the grace and peace of Jesus would be yours, that his spirit would rest on you and in you and work through you, that we would labor together with him as uh, co-creators, co-laborers, that we would uh, stand with him and serve with him. Have a great rest of the day, and I will so look forward to being with you on Sunday as we uh, continue to engage these truths together. Grace and peace to you.